Welcome back to the Purple Worm, a podcast where four British blokes talk about RPGs. And in this episode, we're going to be having a look through the voicemails that you've kindly sent us. So without further ado, let's see what's in the post bag. Hello guys, it's Edwin King here. Um, I've just listened to the, your latest episode, which is on the Green Children, uh, and I wanted to say how much I enjoyed your discussion of mysteries um, and the problems therein, um, because there can be a lot of problems, and it's useful to know how to handle them. Um, but I wanted to talk about the Green Children particularly. Um, I, I was pleased to hear hear you covering them, because um, my wife comes back to the country, and I've been to Warpit several times. Um, did you notice that um, Colin suggested that the green children be used as background colour? Not using it that. That's music. music. But I also wanted to uh, raise a couple of things which always intrigued me about the story. Um, and it's one of our oldest um, surviving um, myths and legends. Um, Dave mentions Bede, um, which of course will be uh, 8th, 9th century, but, but this is recorded in the 12th century. Um, John mentioned uh, the children coming up from underground. They're supposed to have come up from the wolf pits, which is where the uh, village gets its name. Um, these were traps which were laid around the outside of the village to stop wolves. Um, in those times. That reminds me of the film The Village um, and I think that that could be used. Um, it, it, that was always a good a good setup as far as I'm concerned. And the other thing was that you mentioned that the girl uh, was seen as being particularly wanton um, and that she had descendants. Apparently as late as the 19th century um, when people around there um, wanted to cast um, assertions on their neighbours, they would hint that they descended from the Green Girl. Um, and that's why they were a low moral character. Uh, and finally, a, a correction. Uh, I know it's only a slip of the tongue, but it may cause confusion. Um, Wolfpit is in Suffolk and not Six. Anyway, that's a great episode. Uh, I always enjoy listening uh, to the podcast. Cheers. Hi Edwin, thank you very much for your calling. And yeah, you're right, it was a slip of the tongue. Apologies for getting those names mixed up. And likewise, we did originally in the original recording mention the the wolf pits, but we have to trim certain things out just to try and get it down to a manageable size. But thank you for bringing that up. I think it's a great legend with a lot of possibilities for RPGs, as I said during the session. And I think there's certainly a lot of stuff that can be done with it. Like I say, glad you enjoyed the episode. There was a little bit of distortion on your messages, so I'm not sure if I've answered everything that you wanted to know. But again, thank you very much for calling in, and I'm sure some of the other worms will chip in with their opinions. Nice reference to the village there, Edwin. Um, 
I don't know how well that went down with the critics at the time. I'm, I'm not much of a, a film buff, but I do recall really enjoying it. When I watched it, I thought straight away at the time that would be a great idea uh, for a, an RPG. Really cool setting. I think you could more or less just take the, the whole thing and um, transpose it into an RPG. Obviously, the only problem being the fact that quite a few people would have seen it, I'm guessing. I don't know. Perhaps if I did it with my um, my family group and the youngsters, uh, I'm sure they haven't seen it, so that might work. And I'm, I'm guessing it's was quite a while ago now. I bet I'd be surprised if I looked up the date of that film. And next up, we have a voicemail message from Carl Rodriguez. Take it away, Carl. I don't even know if you guys take call-ins. This is Carl Rodriguez. I know some of you played in some of your games. Played with some of you. Um, I thought the green uh, children from Well Pit was pretty interesting. I actually uh, looked it up on a few sites, Wiki and uh, Britannia uh, History. And what I thought was interesting is that the, the natural explanation that they could have been green because of some sort of uh, diet deficiency or disease was actually more compelling. And they could have been either Flemish or Welsh is even more interesting to tell like maybe a historical drama, or historical tale. But I do like the fanciful fairy and then their people coming for them. That seems pretty neat. And Jack Vancean. All right, take care. Although when I first saw the title, I do have to admit, I thought it was going to be about the Green Brothers, since they're green. I don't think they're from Walpit, though. Thanks very much, Carl. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a very intriguing legend with lots of different possibilities and theories about it. So we're glad you enjoyed the episode. Although, yeah, I do have to report that the our own brothers, Green, do not come from Walpit, at least as not as far as I'm aware. Although I'm sure Colin will chip in if I'm wrong, but I've not noticed any strange green coloration lingering about them. The only reason, I mean, we did touch on the idea of them being Flemish refugees, um, but certainly in a lot of the research I've read, that was discounted because they originally tried speaking to the, the young children in sort of Flemish, and they didn't understand it. So certainly in the versions I've read, that was discounted. But with a legend that's so old, it's entirely possible. I mean, they mutate and they change as time goes on. Thank you very much for leaving your message, Carl. No, I can confirm we are indeed talking about different green children. The brother's green. Uh, my, my brother was born Arfed in the hospital down the end of the road here. It's on the borders of Luton and Dunstable. But kind of a funny story. I was actually born in a village called Kensworth. I was born at home on Green Lane, of all places. <laughs> and I lived there for about a year and a half. It was in the 70s. And apparently the uh, the wife-swapping scene was a bit too much for my mum and dad. And they decided that they would before uh, before they were approached or at least that's their story hi perps goblin sentiment here 
yeah, interesting episode about um, trees and whatnot. Um, interesting stuff. I have to say, I didn't know that there was a, a term, fancy term for seeing faces in 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 inanimate objects or whatever. Uh, when I was on G Plus, I used to have a, I had a whole f- whole folder called I see faces. <laughs> I don't do it anymore on MeWe, but um, you know, I'd see a face in a printer or something or other. And uh, whenever I see a creepy tree, I always take a photo of it. Um, right, that's it. Cheers. Hey, Mr. Henchman, glad you enjoyed the episode and you are in the right place for fancy terms. The purple worms, I reckon we must have been told many a time, we're full of it. Well, I think they meant full of fancy terms, but perhaps I'm wrong. Now think about it. Hi, Goblins Henchman. Thank you very much for your message. Yeah, I'm always snapping photos on my phone of anything that like looks a bit weird in sort of natural formations or that seems to have a face in it. I'm also a subscriber to the magazine 40 and Times, and they regularly have pictures that people send in of natural or artificial objects that look like other things, figures, faces, etc. And I always find them really interesting as well as I think it's kind of interesting the process that goes on in the human mind that causes us to make these links between objects and sort of ascribe uh, characteristics to things which may not actually have them. Thank you very much for your message. Glad you enjoyed the episode. And next up, we have a first-time caller who's been listening to our episode about advancement. So let's see what they have to say. Hello there, Worms. Uh, I'm CFF from CFF Fantasy Crafting. I'm new to podcasting, but uh, I've just caught your episode about advancement and some of the responses to it. And as an ex-RuneQuest Games Master from the mid-80s, I always think in Dungeons & Dragons, people look at uh, XP the wrong way around. They always ask, what should we grant XP for? When I think they should be saying... What does XP do? What does it provide? And XP results in level increase. Well, what does that do? Let XP makes people better at the things that their class do. So fighters get better at fighting, spellcasters get better at spellcasting. So logically, it should follow that fighters should get XP for fighting. Magic users should get XP for casting spells. Thieves should get XP for thieving and picking locks and things. It just seems logical to me that that should apply. Hello, Pat Worms. Um, just CFR from Safe Fancy Crafting again. Just to continue on my advancement thing, um, I think, you know, all classes improve slightly in um, fighting and they get sort of fitter and healthier and better able to sustain damage. So I think all classes should get XP for fighting and anything at all that would anything at all that increases in their character sheet should get xp for but a fighter should probably get more experience for fighting and magic you should get more experience for casting spells and uh, bard should get more experience for negotiating i know this would make things slightly awkward and create unlevel uh, leveling systems but it might also create some interesting uh, party internal politics where the fighters just want to bash people's heads in a solution the bards want to negotiate and the magic users want to just teleport them miles away hey there thanks very much for calling in and leaving us a voicemail i think you make some very interesting points about xp in D, and it's traditionally as, as we've said before in episodes being used to sort of 
push the the agenda of the game basically so you get xp for killing monsters and treasure and getting it for that reinforces those behaviors because as a player presumably you want your character to advance you want to become higher level etc etc and i think you make a very good point about perhaps offering additional xp or maybe tweaking the criteria for gaining xp to suit particular classes i think there's also a strong case that you could do it to, you could link it to backgrounds if you're running something like fifth edition so you know if you're um, i don't know if you're an explorer and you find uh, the ruins of a long lost civilization you get more xp because you're an explorer and there's numerous ways you could do it it just depends on what sort of themes and what sort of focus you want to push in your game Thanks for the call in, Safer. XPs, for me, have fallen by the wayside now. When I'm running 5th edition, we just sit down as a group, talk about what it is the characters are looking to achieve in a game, and then we start to see a kind of goals and uh, sort of story arcs start to develop. And... Advancement just seems to fall into place. There seems to be natural points in the game where it seems appropriate to level up the characters. And I'm just going with that. It's been working out fine. When I, when I think about it and theorise on it, it's, it seems a little bit loosey-goosey and uh, kind of hard to quantify. But... In practice, it's just fine and it saves me a lot of grief. I have struggled quite a lot in and around the subject of experience points and advancement. And uh, I like some of the stuff you're uh, presenting us with there. So once again, thanks for the call in. Hi, guys. Uh, it's Edwin, the diplomatist here. I've just finished listening to your episode on legendary london great great episode um as always um i'm surprised that rivers of london came into the conversation quite so late uh, and so briefly um because they do do what dave was talking about taking all this stuff um about the legends of london and winding it into a um a modern, modern setting, modern, not horror-ish, but, you know, um, almost police procedural stories. Uh, they're great books. I would recommend them to anybody. Um, and more relevantly, perhaps, um, last year, Chaosium announced that they're going to do a Rivers of London role-playing game. So we may hear more more about it in the community. Um, as I say, highly recommended. Somebody asked whether uh, ley lines were used in um, Mr. Strange, um, sorry, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell. Um, Clark doesn't explicitly say that the fairy, fairy roads are ley lines. Um, and I suspect they're not, um, just because she. I think she would have. Um, they are used in Charlie Strauss's Laundry Files, um, both in London and Leeds. Leeds is big 
in the, the latest the latest stories. Um, so that's. Hi, Edwin. Thank you very much for leaving us a message. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Rivers of London books myself. I'm currently up to date, at least of all the ones that are available in softback. I'm afraid the hardback ones are a little bit out of my price range, but I do try and pick them up whenever possible. And I think you're absolutely right. There are some, there are some very interesting uh, slants on the sort of history and legendary of London that are repackaged for a, a sort of modern urban fantasy genre series and i think it does incorporate some horror elements i mean the the young the young um, lady police officer i'm sorry i forget her name it's been a while since i've read them who effectively ha is possessed by a, a spirit and has her her face almost mashed to a pulp and has to wear the the mask to basically to hold her face together is pretty horrific i was sort of grimacing while i was reading that but yeah um again I, i've it's been a while since i've range read strange and Norrell, but um the fairy roads i agree they're they're probably not ley lines but they sort of do have a similar vibe to them and it was a very interesting book i thoroughly enjoyed reading it uh, handily a friend lent me a, a copy of that so thank you very much for your call edwin and we're glad you enjoyed the episode I think I'm going to have to have a look into picking up those Rivers of London books. They sound pretty cool. If I can get them on Audible, that'd be a bonus because then I can effectively get paid to listen to them. <laughs> um, the Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell, I've got that book and this talk of it has reminded me I need to read it. I saw the television series and I don't know how close it hues to the book, but uh, got got a nice little bargain on the book. I think I picked it up for about 50 pence, so couldn't uh, couldn't refuse that. And on the subject of, of uh, books, coming out, I think, fairly soon, Paul Badowski, the guy who did Cthulhu Hack, is also putting out a, a London-themed game. So seems everybody is getting in on the London action. So that's it for this voicemail bonus episode of The Purple Worm. If you want to get in touch with us and perhaps feature in a future show, you can leave us a voicemail on Anchor or you can email us. The email address is purplewormpodcast at gmail.com. Until we see you next time, Take care, stay safe, and watch out for those purple worms. Mm -hmm.